In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today in the scripture reading, we read about a lawyer who came to Christ and he asked them the question of how is it that he can attain eternal life? And the response that Christ responded in verse 27 was, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> and then after that, it wasn't in the reading that we read today, but after that, essentially, um, the man asks, Who is my neighbor? And Christ tells him the parable of the Good Samaritan to explain what it is that, should, that we should be, how is it we should be treating each other as good neighbors to one another. But sometimes we think about this phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, and we think about it and we focus a lot on loving the neighbor, which we should, but sometimes we don't know how to love ourselves. Because actually just as this verse says, just as the words of Christ, is in order for us to love our neighbor, we have to love ourselves so that we can love the neighbor as ourselves. But sometimes we actually don't love ourselves. Sometimes we, we, we don't have any esteem for ourselves. Or sometimes a person might go through their life hating themselves or hating their life. And this person is not able to love anyone because they don't have the minimum basic standard of even the love for themselves. So I cannot truly love other people unless I first come to an understanding of what does it mean to love myself. Right. And, and, and you know, maybe we, we speak a lot about selfish love. That's not the kind of love that I mean. So I'm going to speak about in three sections. And this is going to be a two part sermon, God willing, this week and next week. Um, <clears throat> we're going to speak about kind of three main topics. The first one is what is not loving myself? OK, the second one is what is loving the self? And the third is, is do I love myself? Okay, and how can I tell? So today we're going to speak about loving myself is not this. Okay, the first one is loving the self is not narcissism. Okay, narcissism. The definition of narcissism is it's characterized by having an inflated sense of one of one's own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, and a lack of empathy for others. Right. This is what narcissism means. So to love myself does not mean that I have to be the center of attention, right? It doesn't mean that everyone around me should serve me or please me or do according to my will or, 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 or their goal in life needs to be to satisfy me in some way. That is not what we mean when we say loving the self in the way that Christ is speaking. Love others as you love yourself, right? We, sh we should not be thinking of ourselves to be the center of attention. We should not be thinking that I am the one that should receive um, service from other people all the time and that everyone is here to please me in some way because sometimes we have this wrong expectation of other people perhaps other people that are in our family that we feel like their role is to give me what it is that I want and this becomes a kind of a narcissism <coughs> loving the self does not mean that I place my own desires above the desires of others right loving loving the self doesn't mean that I'm gonna get what I want and that no one else is going to get what they want, or that my needs and my desires are more important than other people. Loving the self doesn't mean that I ignore the feelings or the needs of others, right? It doesn't mean that because I love myself, then if I see another person around me who is suffering, that I ignore them, or that I do whatever it is that's good for myself at the expense of others. That is also narcissism. It does not mean that I see myself in a warped or unrealistic way. Right? Sometimes we see ourselves in a skewed way. We don't really see ourselves as we are. We imagine ourselves to be something that we are not. And we make decisions based on this skewed perception 
of who we are and we expect that everybody else to treat us in this skewed way that we are really not. This is again a false sense of, of self-love. This is again narcissism. In Romans 12, th uh, 3 it says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think clearly as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. Meaning that when we think about ourselves in a clear and sober way, then I realize who I am. <coughs> and a lot of times when a person is narcissistic and they don't see themselves rightly, they don't see any weakness in themselves and so they cannot tolerate any weakness in anyone else. Right? If, if, if I think myself to be perfect and I think myself to have no flaw, then I cannot tolerate flaw in anyone else because I expect them to live up to the same standard that I imagine myself to live. So this is the first point of loving self is not narcissism. Loving the self is also not pride and a sense of superiority. <coughs> it doesn't mean that I feel like I am better than others. And if I have positive traits, I don't value myself or, I, or identify myself with those traits. Sometimes we have maybe a very, uh, you know, a very any strong God-given strength some talent, some skill that God has given us. And maybe other people identify this skill in us and we are differentiated by, from others according to the skill. And Maybe we have a certain position because of the skill that God has given. And this is good that God has given us a skill, a talent. But I, loving the self doesn't mean that I identify myself and my value according to the skill that I have. Sometimes people, the only reason they feel good about themselves is because that they have this special talent or skill that God has given them. And so they feel good about themselves. They use this as a means of feeling valuable, right? Like let's say you have a person who is very intelligent, right? That person is going to perhaps find their value in the intelligence that God gave them. Or a person is very strong or a person is very attractive. A person is very whatever, right? Some, some positive thing that that person has received from God then instead of simply using it as a tool or using it as a talent that God has given us to glorify Him, we instead use it as a way to glorify ourselves and we define our value based on those things, based on that skill, based on that talent, right? So when we do this, number one, it means that it's very easy for me to value other people also according to their skills and talents. And maybe I'll find that another person doesn't have the same skills and talents that I have. And so I devalue them because my value system is wrong. It's backwards. Instead of valuing people according to who they are in Christ, that, that they are human being created in the image of God, I value them based on what they can do. I, base, I value them based on if they're impressive to me or not. Okay? Um, also in myself, if I lose... Uh, if, if I lose the skill for whatever reason, like you have someone maybe who is an athlete, very strong, gets first place in everything, and then let's say, and God forbid, they get into an accident and they lose a leg. At this point, the thing that they were very good at is gone. And because they valued themselves based on this thing, based on this skill and this talent, now they are not having any value for themselves at all. They feel like I have no more value. I have no more identity. Okay, so... In Philippians 2, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Right? This is, this is a lowliness. Right? I value all people, and I don't elevate myself above anyone else. My opinion is not better than other people. 
right? Sometimes we think that this is the case, that my opinion is correct and everyone else's opinion is wrong, and so I must overrule or override other people's opinion. Actually, we need to be flexible. We need to be yielding, right? That maybe other people around me have a different opinion, and even if I'm not completely convinced of it, but it's okay that we do this. It's okay that we try this, okay? So, Loving the self doesn't mean that I impose my will on other people and I push what I think is right on everybody. The third characteristic of what loving the self is not is it is not selfishness. It doesn't mean that I care only about what is important to me. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Sometimes God gives us many blessings, but loving the self doesn't mean that I keep all those blessings to myself, right? This is selfishness, right? It doesn't mean that I hoard. It doesn't mean that I seek my own gain at the expense of others. It doesn't mean that I step on other people that are slowing me down. This is not the love of self. This is not the right kind of love of self. When Christ says, love others as yourself, this is not the love of self. The fourth characteristic of what loving the self is not is loving the self is not about seeking recognition. Seeking recognition. Sometimes we, again, because we value ourselves maybe based on our talents and based on the skills that God has given us, we want to boast about these things. Maybe because I feel like these things belong to me. Like I, the, the, I am great. I am great, so I want other people to acknowledge my greatness. But in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Meaning, to love the self means, in the right way, means that I acknowledge the good things that God has given me. And I am joyful that God has given me these gifts and these blessings and these talents. But I give them to God and I give glory to Him, not to boast among other people, but only to serve the Lord with them. Okay? It doesn't mean that I should be given more authority. Sometimes we think of ourselves that, well, because I'm so talented and I'm so great, that I must be given more authority. I must be given a higher position. I should be the one that is promoted. I should be the one that is given more. Again, this is maybe a sign that I am wanting to express or boast of my skills uh, among men and not to God alone. It doesn't mean that all my work should be on display. Right? Maybe I, I need to do things in private, in secret. Maybe some things don't, don't have to be known by other people. It doesn't mean that I only feel good about myself when I'm praised by others. And sometimes our mood, our self-view, our self-perspective is completely defined by what other people think or say about us. And if somebody gives me a compliment, then maybe I feel good for the rest of the day. And if somebody gives me a critical comment, then maybe I feel bad for the rest of the day. Whether we are given compliments or whether we are given criticisms should not be the reason why our mood changes. But actually, if someone compliments us, then I can thank God that God is using me to do something good. And if someone criticizes me, then I can ask God to show me, is this a true criticism? Is this something that is really right? And maybe God is allowing it to help us to improve. So again, loving the self doesn't mean that I'm wanting to boast and to seek recognition from other people. <coughs> So what are some of the characteristics of loving the self? The first one is understanding my identity in Christ. 
understanding my identity in Christ. It means that I understand that greatness, it comes from God and not coming from myself or my abilities. Again, back to the idea of value. What is it that I value in myself? Do I value that I have intelligence? Do I value that I have a certain skill? Do I value that I can do certain things that other people can't do? Or I have certain things that other people can't have? Or is it about who I am in Christ? The Christ is the one who created me. And all of us are actually the same in this sense. There is no differentiating factor in this, that we all have equal value in the eyes of God. And it doesn't matter how much money we have or what clothes we wear or what cars we drive, then in the end we are all equal. We are all equal. In, John, in 1 John chapter 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. This is the greatest gift that God were to give us, is that we are to be called the children of God, that we are His creation, right? And not only that we are cre His creation, but that we are His children and we can call Him our Father. This is the greatest gift and this is what defines who we are, right? This is, this is the defining factor of who we are and why we are here. And so when we think of it in this perspective, we can't put ranks, we can't put statuses, we can't say that there are certain groups of people that are more valuable than other groups. We can't say that there's a certain group of person that's worth talking to or that's worth reaching out to or that's worth, worth saving, whereas there's another group that is not worth this. Because unfortunately, we judge with a human judgment and we judge based on our senses. And instead of looking and saying this person and every person is made in the image of Christ, maybe we understand other people's identity and our own in, in a different way. It is not from my abilities. So to love myself truly means that I see that I am valuable in the eyes of Christ. This is what prevents us from going into depression. Because sometimes when, when difficult times happen in our life and we lose certain things that were very valuable to us, because we've defined ourselves by those things, then it's very easy for me to just lose faith in myself. Or if I go through some kind of a failure, or there's something that I, a goal that I had for myself that I couldn't achieve, then maybe I, I look at myself in a depressed way right or i feel like i have failed i look at myself in a low way like i'm not good i'm not good enough the goodness of who we are has nothing to do with what grades we get on tests or what jobs we get or any of that our our our, our identity is in christ and only him so this is to love the self to love the self is to understand our value is not in ourselves our value is not because of what i can do our value is coming from god the second point of what love is, loving the self is, is loving the self is understanding my uniqueness and my purpose. Okay, In Jeremiah 29 verse 11, it's a famous verse, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Okay? This is the plans that God has, that He has a plan for us, that there is some future for us that He has prepared, that there is a purpose for us. One of the, the ways sometimes that maybe we struggle is we feel an aimlessness and a purposelessness in life. That we don't know what it is that we should be doing, how we should be spending our time, what is the future hold for us, and we don't know these things. And yet we believe that God has a future and God has a plan and there is a reason for our existence collectively and individually that there is a reason for our existence. And this reason is very important. And sometimes we don't know what it is. But even believing that there is a reason and believing that God created us for a purpose is very important. Meaning I have a value. I have value. There is something that God has placed me here for. 
that, that there, there is something good that God is asking me to do. There is some service that God wants me to do that will remain undone unless I do it. He's reserving this for me. He said, this is your mission. This is what it is that you should do. Go do it faithfully. This is why we are here. This is what we should be doing. We don't just follow our own desires. A life that is filled with simply following our own desires in the end seems very aimless. If, if my whole purpose of being here is to seek after pleasure, is to seek after my will, is to enjoy the world. What is the purpose? I'm here only to enjoy the world? Like there, there's no reason for me to be here, all right? Except for the reason that God has given, this purpose that God has given me. So this is part of loving the self, is I don't waste my life because I know that I have a purpose and I need to work toward that purpose. And that person, purpose is different for every person. Maybe there's a lot in common that we have, but there's also a lot of differentiation Right? God has made us each different with different talents and different skills and different desires. Right? What is my purpose? If I fulfill my purpose, if I find myself working toward my purpose, I'll find myself fulfilled. I mean, maybe we've all experienced that we've had a day that was a very productive and fruitful day. And by the end of the day, even though we're exhausted, we feel fulfilled. We feel like I have done my purpose. I've done what I should have done today. Compared to another day where maybe we feel lazy and tired and don't want to get up out of bed and we don't do anything useful that day and by the end of the day we feel miserable. Feel like I, I wasted this day. There was nothing good that came out of this day. So to love the self is to understand our purpose. The third point about loving the self is that loving the self is believing that God can use me even in my brokenness. Right? It means to believe that God loves us despite our weaknesses and despite our failings. And this is a very important one. In Psalm 139 verse 14, it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. In our brokenness and in times of greatest weakness and times of failure, those are the times where maybe we are tempted to give up and not continue. And we're tempted to feel like that we are worthless and that I have no value, right? And yet here God is telling us what? That we are wonderfully made and that God creates us to be wonderful. And he creates us, not to, be, he creates us to be wonderful not because he is approving all of our all actions. It's not because he's saying everything you do is wonderful and whatever you do is right. No, that's not what we're saying. We sin and we do many mistakes and we do many failures. And yet despite of these failures and despite of these mistakes, God does not come to us and say, well, because you messed this up, then I'm abandoning you. Because you did this wrong, then there is nothing good that is going to come out of your life. And if we look at the example of Moses, for instance, Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And yet early in his life, he messed up the plan that was supposed to happen. He went and he killed an Egyptian man and he was driven from Egypt and he went and dwelt for 40 years in the desert. This was a very rash decision that Moses made that caused him to flee and to escape. And it wasn't supposed to happen, right? And yet God didn't say, well, because you messed this up, Moses, I'm going to pick somebody else by whom I will allow all of the uh, Israelites to flee from Egypt. Instead, what he did is he said, I'm going to wait for you to be ready. And he waited for 40 years. He waited for Moses to be ready. And then he says, now is the time, Moses, where you're going to fulfill the purpose that you have. Okay. So it's very important for us to see this, that God is not so quick to just say, you know what, you're too weak. You messed up. I'm going to just let somebody else to do it. He uses us even in our brokenness, even in our weakness, even with our sins, even when we struggle, even when there are things that we do wrong and we make mistakes. 
If you look even at parents and the parents that are chosen by God to serve these children of His, our own children, we call them our children, they're His children, that God has placed us over them. How many mistakes do we make as parents? How many failures do we make as parents? How many things do we wish that we didn't say or wish that we did say or wish that we did do? All these things and these failures that we do, and yet God says, I still want you to be the parents. I'm not going to remove you from this role. This is your role, and, I, and I'm strengthening you to do it. And whenever you fail, I'm forgiving you in it. There are so many things that God insists that we do despite of our weakness. I think sometimes like an analogy to this, if we would ever do it, like if you imagine that, you know, you and your spouse are going out and you've gotten a babysitter. The babysitter is coming to stay with your kids. And this babysitter is a mess. The babysitter does so many things wrong. The babysitter curses the kids. The babysitter does you know, everything that you would imagine that would be bad. I think any of us, when we, we see this babysitter and we interview them, we'd be like, no, I don't think you really fit. I don't think we really want you to be our kid's babysitter because you, do, you make so many mistakes and you do so many bad things. So we're just going to find somebody else. But when it comes to God, he sees us, which are essentially the babysitters of his children, the parents. And he says, you know what, despite all of your failures and despite all of this, I'm not going to kick you out. I'm going to keep working with you until you get better. And you're going to keep getting better and you're going to keep improving. And even though your failures and your mistakes might cause, you know, some suffering to my children, and yet still I love you and I want to work with you. God uses us even in our brokenness. If God didn't use broken people, then there would be no one that would do anything. Even the patriarchs, even the prophets, even the disciples, everyone throughout history, everyone who was a child of God failed. And so it's important for us when we speak about loving the self is that I don't begin to hate myself because of weakness. I don't begin to hate myself because of failure because God does not hate us. He does not. He, he, is, he has a sober understanding and a realistic expectation of who we are because we are made of dust. And because we are made of dust, and because he knows that we are not capable of very much, he's able to tolerate us a lot. We unfortunately have much higher expectations of ourselves than God even has of us. We imagine ourselves to be perfect. We imagine ourselves to be strong. We imagine ourselves to be good decision makers. We imagine ourselves to do many right things. And so when we fail, we're like disgusted with ourselves and we feel so destroyed and we feel so humiliated and ashamed. Why do we feel this way? It's because we have too high um, a standard or not standard we have we have too high an expectation of who we really are and what we can really accomplish God doesn't have such an expectation God knows what we are able to accomplish he is he is realistic in that sense so we we have to have this understanding about we should not hate ourselves when we fail we should not hate ourselves because of our weaknesses actually maybe our weaknesses God is going to use to glorify him because when he when he sees people that are weak and then he does something amazing with them, then this actually is what glorifies God. So that nobody can point at us and we cannot point at ourselves and say, I am the one who accomplished all of this. No, actually we say, I could have never accomplished this. It is only God is the one who accomplished. When the Israelites were on the shore of the Red Sea, God could have led them out of Egypt a different way. He didn't have to lead them out through that path. He could have taken them another way, right, around. But he didn't do this. 
He didn't take them around in another way. He took them to the shore of the Red Sea because he wanted everyone to know and believe that he was the only one that led the people out of Egypt. It wasn't because they were clever or smart or had an army or weapons or anything. It was simply because God wanted to glorify himself and for generations and generations and even hundreds of years later and even all of the Gentile people that lived in that region they remembered the miracle that God is the one who led these people out of Egypt with a mighty hand so sometimes even in our weaknesses God allows us to be weak because he wants to work and glorify himself in us so loving the self is also about believing that God can use us even when we have weakness God willing, next time we'll continue another two points about what, in, what is loving the self. And then we'll also ask the question is, do I love myself? And to, to kind of do some self-introspection. Do I really love myself or not? And we'll ask some questions. And glory be to God forever. Amen.